The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to a very somber episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I won't give this one a number. It's an emergency podcast, and uh, everybody who's tuning in is probably well aware of why we're recording. But before we get into it, I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host out in Lakerland, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, it's a, it's a sad Monday morning, Sunday's news of... of Kobe Bryant passing away in a helicopter crash. It's just a little too big to kind of tuck into another episode. But how are you out there? Right. And and people, if they're wondering why we would do this, is for that reason, it's usually we like to talk in a lighthearted way, but really focus on the actual sport itself and talk about, you know, what's going on in the court, maybe more than other podcasts or media does. But um, so it doesn't really fit in that sphere and tonally or just in terms of content, but you just can't ignore it. Because it's such a big storyline, it's gonna—it's kind of a cloud that's gonna hang over um, for a while. I mean, I'd say the rest of this season, if right? Not especially, especially with the Lakers doing so well, I think we're gonna hear about it. Probably, um, you know, you can't dedicate a season to somebody, but like, it feels like this is gonna be like how the season's remembered. Yeah, and this was an interesting story. I do want to get into just real quick. I want to mention everybody. So nine deaths in a helicopter crash on Sunday. I believe it was around 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, maybe 11 a.m., like 10:55 or something. TMZ broke the story. There was a bunch of kind of wild news out there that nobody had kind of checked. And not to get into like you know media today, but it was it was a pretty unfortunate. I thought like five or six hours, but. TMZ reported that Kobe had passed away in a helicopter crash, and TMZ is almost never wrong on stuff like this. It's actually pretty amazing. Like, I think, Zan, you texted me and was like, you know, TMZ gets a bad rap because of the gossip, but stuff like this, like, they're... No, yeah, I just read today because the police, the LAPD criticized them for releasing it too early before the family knew, um, or all the families knew, And but they were the ones who broke Michael Jackson, they are the ones who broke Whitney Houston, they are the ones Paul who Paul Walker. Ryan. Yeah, they, they're always... You know, it, you can complain about them, their what they cover, like their silliness and their like pettiness and most day to day stuff. But in terms of their hard news like this, they're pretty accurate. Yeah. So nine nine deaths. They have not released the name of the pilot, but then the other eight people on board. Super sad. Kobe, his thirteen year old daughter Gianna, uh, John Altobelli, who was the head coach of Orange Coast Community College baseball. His wife Carrie, his daughter Alyssa, who was Kobe's daughter's teammate, uh, Christina Mauser. Sarah Chester and Peyton Chester uh, are all of the names, and they were on their way to Mamba Academy for uh, either a practice or an actual travel game. So, you know, for Kobe's daughter's uh, AAU team, and it's really sad stuff, man. Like, whether you're a Kobe fan or not, just the idea that, you know, he rode in a helicopter every day to practice from Newport Beach to the Staples Center for, you know, probably since the mid 2000s, and there was no problem. And then wake up in the morning and you, you try to skip some traffic and get people to where they need to go and you you, you bring your teammates and their families as well and just you know just heart-wrenching uh, for his family and for for the families of the other victims it's just a terrible terrible tragedy Kobe aside but 
obviously, you know, we all have those moments where we get on the plane and it's like, man, if there's a famous person and this goes down, like you're not going to get mentioned. So I wanted to make sure that everybody on here, you know, got a fair shake because it is really sad. And it's a, it's just a terrible story on Sunday. That's getting, I would say more coverage than anything. No. Yeah. And it, it's, it was like a shocking story, like a gut punch, like, a, and like not to like trivialize it by like ranking things, but like, to me, like when Heath Ledger died, like that was one of the ones I'm like, wow, that's stunning, like news. And just unexpected. And I feel like this is in that same category. It's just like you never would have thought. No, I mean, it, it's it's very, I don't even know if ironic is the right word. I don't even know what the right word is. But LeBron, we would have talked about this on Thursday, but LeBron passed Kobe on Saturday night for third on the all-time scoring list. He did it in Philadelphia. Kobe is obviously from the Philadelphia suburbs, for those of you that are unaware. and then. You know, like less than 24 hours later, we see this quote about, you know, we see Kobe tweet about LeBron moving the game forward and how great it is. And, you know, Kobe's been in the news for filmmaking, for his venture capitalist firm, for Mamba Academy, for being a father, for almost everything but basketball. And at 41 years old to kind of have the, I don't even want to see the prime of your life, but like he was a guy, the work ethic is the one thing you remember is and like, that's what I do. Like for me, he, he was a behind the scenes, the hardest worker anyone had ever heard about. And every player thought that. And you know, that during his 19 year career, his family took a back seat. So it's really, really even more sad that, you know, when he finally was getting a chance to be a father and like be around his family, that like that part of him gets taken from him at 41 and life is sometimes very cruel and tragic. And this felt like that. I thought. Yeah. And I guess to talk about, do you want to talk about some of like the moments for Kobe and like how you remember him? Cause I, I had such a long career, obviously when you're into the league at 18 and you're immediately like very quickly, one of the biggest stars in the NBA it's, and you last until 37 or, and you're still an all-star by the end. It's one of the longest, greatest careers in NBA history, obviously. Definitely from a longevity standpoint, you know, you, you put him up there with like Kareem and, you know, as those types of guys who were so good for so long, I do want to say, obviously you can't really tell the story of Kobe without mentioning uh, the rape allegations in Colorado. We're not really going to get into that, but understand that that is part of his legacy and is going to be part of how people view him. So for people that are listening you know, we're not taking a side for or against it, but please don't be people online who are, you know, going at people for bringing it up and calling them selfish and whatnot. Like it's part of the guy's legacy, unfortunately. And, and it is something that he worked very hard. I thought to distance himself from Zan and I thought to, to get over it and to rebuild his image, like he, he worked hard on it, but it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. So I just wanted to say that then right there, because we're not going to kind of get into, you know, whether or not that tarnishes who Kobe was, because it was 15 years ago at this point and right well i want to hear about year because look we talked about kobe on the show before and like as a basketball rooting fan like i was a kobe hater like i root i grew up in la but my family's not from la so like the worship of kobe all around me like i really disliked him as a player even though you respected him um so do you remember like were you around when kobe was drafted and he was high school do you remember watching the nba back then it was 1996 the draft yeah. so it's interesting like i don't you know he was obviously traded for vladi divots and the hornets picked him late and he they didn't want him like they traded him right away they told him they had well, no, no I, that was that was not the actual way it went no, down. no I, that, i'm aware oh you were kidding is it <laughs> You're bringing some levity to the memorial. It's like Kobe's kind of stories and then like what drives him. Those The legend of Kobe is is probably a bit greater. And it's the same thing. Like the legend of Michael Jordan is probably a bit greater than, than who he actually was. But sure, go ahead. No, but I was just going to say like, because people like if you weren't around back then, there's a lot of people who weren't. 
um, younger NBA fans, he went 13th. And you say, how did that happen? And there's two reasons, really three reasons. One is that at the time it was still unusual for high schoolers to jump and there was still some uncertainty there and whether it was a good idea. And so he went behind guys who were like established college stars like Allen Iverson and Marcus Camby, I think one most outstanding player of that year, you know, Stephon Marbury, Ray Allen was a junior who had been like very productive in college for three years. Yeah, actually really, really good, really good draft class just for the record. Yeah. yeah, and he probably would have gone. I think they said eighth. Maybe they're debating him instead of Kerry Kittles. But then there was reports that he didn't. He wanted to go to the Lakers, and so and Jerry West wanted him. It was that Rick Pitino. It was John Calipari, right? Right. They John did Calipari. not want to draft a high school player, which was. And so I do have one interesting kind of story about this. So Tony DeLeo, I'm good friends with his son. He he went to Temple when I was coaching there, and uh, he plays in Germany now. But Tony DeLeo has was in the Sixers front office for a very long time, and. Ascended finally to GM before Josh Harris and then brought in Sam Hinkie and everything, but they wanted to take AI. They had the number one pick that year. And obviously there were people that wanted to take Kobe because Lower Marion is 20 minutes from downtown Philly. And I remember very vividly there, uh, Jonathan, J- Jonathan Abrams wrote a book about like the prep to pros generation. And Tony went to see Kobe in high school and he wanted the Sixers to draft Kobe. Like he thought he had the highest ceiling. It kind of gets back to what we were talking about before Zan was like, hit the home run, even though AI, obviously hall of famer, all that stuff too. But so they were always going to take AI, but he was trying to convince the Sixers to trade Jerry Stackhouse to get a top five pick because he wanted to take Kobe as well. Cause he thought he had that type of potential. And I just, I remember that story and it got shared yesterday on NBC sports Philly in, uh, in Philadelphia, but it, it just was funny because there were people who really, really liked Kobe. Pat Croce at the time was the same deal. Really liked him. Just didn't take him. Yeah. And, and in a way it worked out obviously for Kobe because he ends up on the Lakers who are a 50 win team at that time. Um, and they had Shaq as the superstar and they won 56 games in Kobe's first year. And then by his second year, he wasn't even starting still. That's what's so amazing to think about in hindsight. His second year, Kobe was still not starting and was, uh, I think an all-star starter, right? He was elected. Yeah. He won the dunk contest that year. He, he kind of had your natural young player ascent to start. I mean, he averaged like 15 points a game. I think he started one game. But like, what, what are the odds? Like you would be, you would start one game. He averaged 15 points that year and then be an all-star. I mean like today's game, like I wonder if people would be outraged by that or not, but he was just so popular at that early age at 19. Yeah. And the Lakers won 60 games that year. Uh, and if you recall, I, believe they lost to the Jets, right? They lost to Stockton Malone. They got swept, if I remember correctly. And that was, I'm looking at basketball reference. They got, um, they lost to the Jazz. Yeah, they got swept and they got swept the next year to the Spurs. And that's when you see the end of Del Harris, the gray-haired Del Harris, and then Phil Jackson comes in. And then immediately, as Phil Jackson tends to do, takes a very good team and makes them great, and they win the title the next year. And that started their little mini dynasty. And that was kind of his first season. And, I, you know, one of the things I think that people always talk about a very, a very fun Kobe debate is, was he, did he win titles because of Shaq? And I, would, I, I think that most people would argue that if you were watching the NBA at that time, that Shaq was certainly more of a focal point of what the Lakers did. However, in the triangle, you end up inside ball screens a ton, and you, you have to have a dynamic wing like a Kobe or Michael Jordan. And I think it's fair to say that Kobe was the closest aesthetically to Michael Jordan that, that we have seen thus far. And, uh, but in the playoffs, Zan, like Kobe 
took a ton of big shots. Like it was very different in the playoffs than it was, I think, in the regular season when Kobe was only averaging 22 and a half a game. You know, in the playoffs, like he he was responsible for a lot of their late game offense. Yeah, I would say it's sort of like, and, and I think Kobe fans, if they don't remember, they would think that like, you know, it was sort of an equal billing. I think Shaq was clearly the best. Shaq player. was clearly better, I agree. Yeah, but I, I think Kobe, as far as second bananas go, like I think he was a, better version of like maybe what Kyrie Irving was to LeBron. Like, Oh, like way, right. better. way better. Oh, yeah. But also in the same role, as you mentioned, like taking the big shot at the end of the game. And then also as a two way player, you know, being superior, um, probably if he was the second guy, he was probably, I guess, until you see Steph and, and KD, like probably like the best one, two punch of my lifetime and arguably better than those two. I don't know. You could argue that, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Between eras and like who Kobe was at the end of his career, I would say like for me, the takeaways, there's a couple, I think. And I should set out to say that like I was never a Kobe, like not even a Kobe stan. There are a lot of those guys, but I was never even really a guy who I didn't really love Kobe. Like I liked young Kobe for sure. You like that? Like he was very popular at that time. He was explosive. He was super fun to watch. Uh, but I have never been a, a specific – I've never really been a fan of the way that they played. Like, they played very slow, and he took a ton of shots. And Well, are you saying the first with Shaq, that version, or both? The Phil Jackson stayed – you know, Phil Jackson came and went, actually, but they – But I actually loved Shaq, too. So you had to kind of pick sides, which was so stupid because, like, it was a great feud at the time. It was great for ratings. But I would always say that, like, I was a Shaq guy more than I was a Kobe guy, and – I think one of the things that sticks out the most to me is just, and I think we saw this on Sunday, but the work ethic was just totally unmatched. Zan. Well, like, he uh, I to- want to talk about that time too, because I living in LA, like the Shaq Kobe feud, like amplified by the media extremely. Like that was like, you know, they got boring the fact that they kept winning and then they needed to find storylines. And Phil Jackson wrote the book. Like it's right. Yeah. And at the time, like I, I disliked Kobe. I rooted against Kobe um, in hindsight. I think that's the one thing I like regret the most. It's like taking sides in that regard. I probably would be team Shaq in that way too. It's like, I could see why Kobe would get upset with Shaq. Like he's working his tail off to get better every year at the time, at least. And Shaq shows up out of shape and doesn't really try in the regular season and expects to be the superstar that he's supposed to cater to. I understand the friction there. And that led to the trade. And then Kobe's, um, solo seasons i guess you could say average 35 plus points a game and then it didn't really work in terms of winning in a terrible team around them they bring in a talented team eventually paul gasol and andrew bynum and lamar odom and win two more titles and then he gets hurt and then it's his last three years in the league were, were kind of ugly right yeah i mean and also like you know the second to last year he played 35 games he tore his achilles like i mean a, a bunch of stuff he tore his shoulder which was great for jokes because it was like he, he wore his shoulder out shooting too many shots but i will say you're exactly right you know kobe's load during the season we, we don't see guys play minutes like this anymore but he averaged 40 plus minutes a game like one two three four five times in his career he averaged 38 minutes a game like 11 times and so when Shaq comes in and you know, his big toe hurts him and he's not ready to go and they, they come out of the gate slow. Like I totally understand that as well. And I think that one of the largest parts of Kobe's legacy, especially for young players and and guys in the NBA now is that he didn't really 
teach you another way other than just work as hard as you can to be the best if you can. And I think that that's, he just kind of showed like hard. And, and again, like if you watch him in high school, like the dude was six, six, like he was a freak athlete, like it, obviously genetics aside, like Kobe was tremendous, but he is another, he's another one of the, I mean, he's a guy that I would say, like, you did not leave thinking that Kobe had any ounce of talent and ability left. Like, I think he worked as hard as he could to get every single possible bit out of his body. And he did, you know, I, I, I you can't argue with that. And you can see so clearly more than any other player, like him trying to emulate Michael Jordan and, and in m- numerous ways. Like, and I think in terms of like his, the way he played in terms of his skill, like he probably was a little better, I think, um, in terms of overall, like his athletic, you know, he wasn't quite on Jordan's level at all, but he was probably the closest to being that model. I just in terms of just like I said, just in terms of looking like Jordan, in terms of the fadeaways, the mid post scoring, like the drives, the smoothness, like nobody's been close to those two guys. And, and I think in terms of personality, too, because I think Jordan had this the impression of Jordan, at least from the outside, was that he's like a badass like he's gonna yell at people he's gonna like a drill sergeant teammate and i think that kind of hurt kobe in a way because he like tried to emulate that part of jordan's game whereas somebody like he may not have been that guy right and and compared to him to like lebron who as a teammate is more like hey we're all gonna be part of the same gang and we're gonna hang out and i'm gonna be like the big brother but like we're all like in this together and the teammates seem to enjoy lebron probably more than they did kobe yeah, and I think it's the same. I think you're right. I mean, I think it was like that with Jordan. And, and I think late career Kobe became a little different. And obviously, you know, we saw a situation with like D'Angelo Russell and Byron Scott where it just, it really didn't work. And the Lakers kind of were very bad trying to cater to Kobe the last three years, which is totally fine. Like, you know, you're going to bring up in a second your thoughts on Kobe versus Magic. And, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. But I do want to share one. I have two like sort of interesting Kobe stories that I think kind of sum him up. And you know, before we kind of get into maybe one of our, you know, we talk about the memories or like the best performances we remember other than like him scoring 81 and stuff like that against the Raptors. But so the year, you know, you'll recall Mike Brown was the coach. They signed Dwight Howard. They signed Steve Nash. Like that specific season was they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated and everyone was kind of talking about like how they were going to run away with the title. They end up getting the eighth seed. They lose in the first round. So they actually practiced. I was at Temple when they were in town and they actually practiced at Temple the day before they played the Sixers and it ended up being a practice for like, it was optional and everybody came except for Kobe, Ron Artest. And I believe Antoine Jameson. And I remember being like really upset at the time, but I also remember watching like Steve Nash and Dwight Howard and Pal Gasol and being like, Oh my God, NBA players are so freaking good. It's unbelievable. So that season, Steve Nash, two-time MVP award winner, Dwight Howard, defensive player of the year, all that stuff. I heard through the grapevine that, Steve Nash was like not happy with how things were going with Kobe in 2012. And he said that at the end of games, this is a Kobe thing, I guess, for the whole part of his late career, no matter who you were, no matter how good you were in the last three or five minutes of a game, depending on how close it was, he would pass the ball to you one time. If you did something good with it, like you got an assist or you scored, he would pass it to you again. If you did not, he would never look your way. And Steve Nash was telling the story to somebody that I know. And Steve Nash was like, seriously, two-time MVP. I get one chance in the fourth quarter with this guy because that's how competitive Kobe Bryant was. Like if you were not ready to go and he didn't think you could help the team in the fourth quarter, it's like that Kwame Brown clip that surfaced where he was like, I'd throw it to Kwame Brown and he was afraid to get fouled. So why would I throw it to him? And it's like, it didn't matter who you were. If, if you didn't help him, he wasn't going to do it. Uh, well, think- this is, this is, oh, sorry, go on if you have more. 
Well, I was just going to say, it's just very funny because I think like those types of stories kind of, you know, they elevate the legend of Kobe Bryant and it's. And I think to my point, like, I think it injures him as well because, and that's one of the reasons I didn't like him as a player again, just as a player, um, this sort of, or even his media persona, actually, I didn't like his media persona either. He, he tried really, really hard to be kind of like LeBron tries to be deep. Like Kobe tried to be deep, but he also wanted to be, he was kind of like a mix of like LeBron and Russell Westbrook, if that makes sense. Well, and also I didn't like, like he, I, he maybe wanted to be like beloved, like Jordan, where he's like, I'm the black, I'm naming himself the black mom. He did give stealing. himself a nickname. That's very annoying. I and he stole it from Kill Bill and didn't credit Kill Bill. Um, it stuck though. People love calling it him the mom. It did stuck. It's a good nickname. But, um, and I think one of the reasons like, in terms of why I would not like a player like this is the sort of media perception, fan perception, not matching up with reality. And Kobe, you know, for the first half of his career was a good defender and really coasted on that reputation for the last half of his career. And he would still get defensive, you know, honors. And it would really annoy me that, you know, he could just get this reputation and more so the idea that he was the closer, um, because he wanted to be like Jordan. That was sort of like what you were supposed to do at the time. You, If you were the best player, you were supposed to take the last shot. And it worked early on in his career, for sure. And then statistically, he was one of the worst players in the clutch in the second half of his career because everyone knew he was going to take the last shot. It would be a very difficult shot. And sometimes he would make it, but most of the time he wouldn't. It's it's actually a very good argument for why if clutch does or doesn't exist, because you're exactly right. Like Kobe would get guarded differently in the last minute of a game than he would the rest of the game because everybody knew he wasn't going to pass the ball. Yeah. And that's why like LeBron still gets a little criticism for being too passive and, and passing it. But like he he's making the right play most of the time. And Kobe would jack up these wild shots. And I, I dislike that about him, except the one time we were talking about before, the one time I'm like, gosh, I believe in the Mamba mentality now is when Team USA was playing against Spain. 2008 gold medal game. And LeBron was on the team, probably the best player at the time. He looked, you know, they were they were in a tight game. I think they might have been losing at one point. They were. They were losing in the second half, yeah. Yeah. And, and LeBron looked a little unsure of what to do. And everyone did. And Kobe did his Kobe thing and st- stepped up and took a lot of shots and made them and carried the team to the to the title. Yeah, they, they won that game by 11. And if I remember right, Dwayne Wade was actually the leading scorer. But in the second half, like they were, you are exactly right, like they were losing. And, you know, obviously this was an important Olympics because the U.S. had gotten the bronze four years ago. And, you know, a lot of guys came out to play, you know, Melo, LeBron, Kobe, Wade, Chris Paul. Dwight Howard like this team was legitimately good and yeah he, he carried him in the second half for a stretch and I think it's a it's a kind of a thing that people don't really remember about him because there's so many other moments right and- that, that stuck with me and it's more like my reluctant um appreciation of Kobe in the same way like I rooted against Tom Brady for his whole career and I still do but after 20 years you just have to look around and be like Jesus, this guy worked really hard and and did really well how do you not appreciate that i mean all-star games aside because like all-star games are interesting and your point about the defensive team is definitely true early in his career he was an unbelievable stopper late in games in the playoffs he you know it's hard to do it for 82 games but 18-time all-star five-time nba champ 12-time all-defensive team one mvp two scoring champs 15-time all-nba and then two-time finals mvp and obviously like you know the late kind of finals in his career we remember two, we remember 2010 against the Celtics where he you know struggled in game 7 but was their best player and he was awesome against Orlando and i and i just think that like 
you know, night in and night out, you knew what you were going to get. And on the night, he just, it, it was like, he never really didn't have it. And I think like, uh, we haven't seen a lot of guys like that. It's like Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. And then you never know, like from what you're going to get, if, if you just need a bucket, like he's one of the best of all time. I, I don't know. I'm one of the best. I'm not in the, he's a top. Right. Player of well, all that's time. what I want to ask. I mean, it sounds, sounds like we're, I don't want to sound like we're like shade, giving shade to the guy on, on his. I mean, um, being a top final. 15 player in NBA right. history. But like, where, where would you rank him? Players of your lifetime, let's say. Let, let's not get into like the Jerry Wests that we never watched. Um, clearly behind LeBron. I think anyone who's arguing otherwise is just a huge Kobe fan. Um, Which is okay. And if you like a certain style of basketball, like you want a guy who's more... No, that's not okay. I mean, that's just wrong. It, but it, <laughs> I mean, but my, wrong. my point is guys have different preferences. And if they're going to play a little bit slower and they're like, I want a guy who's going to take and make big shots. Like, I, I also agree with you. Obviously, LeBron is the best. I, I think Jordan is better than LeBron. And I think LeBron is better than Kobe. And I don't think LeBron and Kobe is particularly close. You know that. Right. And I would say the same for Durant too. I mean, he hasn't won as many titles. I think Durant does some similar things. It just does it more efficiently. Um Duncan was better than Duncan was better than Kobe for his entire career, by the way. Nobody talks about it because he was a big guy. But if you ask me who the best player from 1996 to when they retired was, I would personally take Tim Duncan. The guy that I struggle with, maybe Steph Curry. I think that's to me, that's when you start going. I go back and forth because Curry, I think at his peak was better just in terms of like totally dominating and leading a team to a title. On his own, and not on his own, had a great team, but you know. It's too hard, I think, with how different the NBA is now. It's so difficult. I don't think LeBron, I don't think Kobe would come in and, and be like LeBron, where you're, you're averaging, you know, 28, 9, and 9 a night. I just don't see that. It's not his skill set. But if you asked me, like, if Kobe would put up 40 a game in, in this era, like, I think that's entirely plausible. And I think that's where he averaged really- 35 in 2005. And, and like, and people criticize, I, I, among them, criticize his. Efficiency. This is a guy who shot 32.9% from three. But the league-wide efficiency was so much lower than Right, but the threes, too. that was still below average for the time. And But to your point, like his f- true shooting percentage was above average. I mean, considering he got the line 10 times a game, he, you know, he hit over eight, well over 80% from the line. He was still above average efficiency for his era. Um, so that's why I would think if I had to rank him, I mean – I probably rank him ahead of guys like slightly ahead of guys like Steph Curry and James Harden, but it, more on that level to me. I think he's probably ahead of Durant right now, and we'll see what happens with Durant's career coming back from this Achilles. But I think the longevity to me is is hard to ignore. You know, it, it definitely it, it hurt the Lakers later on in his career, but it never hurt him from 1998 to you know 2011, 2012. Like he, every single year, you knew that you were going to fill the seats. Every single year, you had a guy that you knew in was going to be you knew it was going to come in and be a number one option, whether or not that was good or bad. I, I don't buy into the arguments that like Pau Gasol was actually the best player on the Lakers. That clearly is not true, but I like to say it because I like to troll Kobe fans because it's fun to see Kobe fans get amped up. But- Let me talk about two more things, two more things before you go. Okay, go ahead. I was going to talk about the legacy in LA specifically and then league wide. Yeah. Rough, uh, rough couple of years for LA with Kobe and Nipsey hustle, but go on. I was going to, I made the point and it's a controversial one. I think Kobe was the most beloved Laker in LA. I'm just talking about in LA of all time, more so than Magic Johnson, who's the next closest competitor. And you didn't reason, specify that when we argued about it before. In LA is very different because there are a bunch of people that are Lakers fans all over the country because they were on TV the most, you know? Right. And, and the reason I say that, it, and it's, it is an important caveat because. I think that's the reason why Magic was like 
universally beloved by and, everybody. Yeah. By- and by the time he even got to LA, he had won the title and he was this huge, ma- massive star and everyone liked him. And now he's kind of a clown or whatever, but for the vast majority of his career, people loved him. And maybe Celtics fans didn't, I don't know. But I think the reason that Kobe is the most beloved figure in LA in the Laker fans history is because they had to fight for him so much. And he grew up, he grew up there, Zan. Like he, that was his whole life. Yeah. But like, it feel like Laker fans had to constantly defend him, whether it was for Shaq, whether against those charges, people hating on him for his efficiency and everything. Like he was constantly like their backs against the wall, constantly defending Kobe, um, like their son, like their troubled son who was very talented. And, and then the passion Kobe, I mean, Lakers fans have for Kobe, especially in my generation, I think is really strong and unparalleled i i can't even think of you know it's like a dysfunctional family they've been fighting together for like 20 years and loving each other i can't think of another team and player that that are so united in terms of the fan base the lakers fans get a bad rap they really are good fans especially in the passionate defense of kobe and i believe it's lakers and clippers on tuesday night at staples center and i would expect that to be a pretty um, unbelievable scene i was really surprised on sunday that the nba didn't cancel games just because you know and it, and I know we talked about this, like Mark Cuban's going to retire 24 with the Mavericks. And I'm not a big fan of retiring jersey numbers around the league for guys that didn't play for you. I totally understand it's for organizations, but I don't know what separates Kobe from, you know, Michael Jordan or Bill Russell or anybody, Kareem, you know, anybody like that, other than the fact that he tragically passed away. But it is very clear that the players of today revere Kobe in, in a light that we don't see for another type of guy. Maybe LeBron, maybe that's it though. Like, yeah, I think I think for most people, players like Kobe, they grew up with Kobe like Jordan. Like he was, and I think for the next generation, it'll be LeBron. But right, and and even some of now, like even Zion was talking about having two Kobe, you know, Kobe number eight, Kobe number twenty four, whatever. But I mean, you could see guys crying around the league and and looking like Tyson Chandler was crying on the bench. Demar Derozan, like you're talking about a kid who grew up in Compton, like Kobe's his idol. Like I, I think like it was very interesting to see the decision by the NBA on Sunday to not cancel games when guys were very clearly broken up by this. And I think that speaks to what his legacy is within the NBA. And that tragedy of like, this is like sort of, you know, the sadness of it, you know, whether you like Kobe as a player or not, whether you like the black Mamba or not, like horrible for the family. Like it's, you know, I have a baby nine month old. He has, he has a baby that's younger um, or he had a baby and you know, whatever. Um, and also, like, I think that the post-career lives of athletes are often sad. It's almost like an exaggerated version of, like, the kid who peaked in high school, you know, where it's like, for 99% of athletes, like, the greatest time of your life, the most you've ever going to accomplish is, yeah, you're 25, you know, like 20 to 30. But he's a different guy, man. Like, he's a yeah. different dude. He had more in the tank, you know? Like, I, Alex Rodriguez has a show now where he, like, helps you know, broke athletes, you know, I mean, he's and, doing, he's doing the same thing, like rehabbing his image based on, you know, like smart investing and intelligence where you didn't really get to see that when he played. Cause everyone kind of just disliked him on the field. Same right. I, th- I think very similar, right? Like Alex Rodriguez and Kobe Bryant, I think polarizing. Yeah. One huge kind of scandal in their career, like always wanted to be more liked by the media, you know, like A-Rod had Jeter in his shadow. Kobe obviously always had Shaq that he tried to live up to. It is. They are kind of interesting comparisons. Yeah, and they both, I think they were set up for a very similar post-career like success. 
Um, and he won an Oscar or whatever for the short animated short that wasn't that good. But um, he you just uh, had to had to drop that in there. You're, you're no, but I think he would have like if I had to bet on somebody to like become like a billion dollar businessman, like he would have been one of those guys. It, it, it was interesting to look at the things because in Kobe's life, we never saw any videos of like the workouts. We just heard about him. We heard about the three a.m. shooting sessions. We heard about how guys playing on the Olympic team with him it changed their careers. Watching how he worked, but we never saw. Kobe with different interests like you never saw it it wasn't like Shaq where he was acting he was a ton of endorsements like Kobe didn't really do that stuff and then all of a sudden he retires and he's got his hands on everything and it's like wow this is a super intelligent like well thought out guy who is probably happy to be done playing basketball like he felt like his career was done and you're right that was what we were going to suppose what we were supposed to see for the next 40 years you know and it didn't play out that way unfortunately so what so what would you do like because i've heard a lot of ideas about how to honor kobe and maybe we're in the fog of like just like immediate overreactions um the biggest i heard was like changing the logo to kobe's logo no, absolutely or, not. or you know you said canceling games or is there anything you would do retiring jerseys obviously mavericks are gonna do that is there anything you would do? Like, I think that's an ex- overreaction, to be honest. I mean, not to be rude. So do I. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think you recognize who he is. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That'll be a night to celebrate him. I think it's totally fine to league-wide 24 seconds of silence. You know, the Spurs and the Raptors both did the 24-second violations. I thought that was a nice touch. I don't think we need to build Kobe up because of how tragically he passed away to be anything different than he is. I would love for like a Kobe Bryant foundation in the NBA, which helps, you know, one and dones, uh, something like that, you know, or, or helps guys who want to jump from high school to the NBA. It helps them with business and helps them with money management, like That's something like idea. that. That's a great idea. I don't think we need to do anything out of the ordinary. Like I, you know, I, I said this to my friend the other day or on Sunday, I, I literally said like with their retirement, he's a huge Kobe fan. And he was like, this is awesome. I was like, you know, I, I really do feel like we should leave league-wide jersey retirements to people like Jackie Robinson, who legitimately changed the fabric of the sport. Because as great as Kobe is and as unbelievable and iconic as he is in the NBA, and he's one of the few like transcendent athletes out there where you had like media members and celebrities and athletes and the Grammys did a tribute to him. Like Everybody was talking about it. But at the same time, Kobe didn't change the fabric of the NBA. He just advanced it. And I don't think we need to build him up to be this colossally bigger hero and star than he actually was because he was a big star, but it, it's not like he was, he didn't change the way that we watched the NBA. I don't think somebody might argue different, but no, I, I agree. I don't think he advanced it either. I think, I think he, he was sort of the bridge um, between Jordan. Would, right. Like what would the league do post Jordan? How's it going to survive? And the, and it luckily found this kid who was the closest thing we're going to get. And then takes us to like the LeBron type era. Um, I, I agree. The Jersey retirement feels odd to me. Um, and I think it, you know, we don't want to mention too much of the, the allegations, rape, whatever. I think that that kind of ties the league's hands in some regard because like get some backlash from doing anything too formal. Um, but I liked it. I like the 24 second shot clock violation thing. I think they could extend that or even the, say the Lakers are in the finals. If they did that in the finals, it would be kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Lakers do this year because if they do have a deep run, it's going to be for Kobe. And I think, you know, put a patch on, wear a black, you know, stripe on the show. I, I mean, he is somebody that deserves to be honored 100%. But I don't think we need to. I saw the most practical thing I saw was naming the all-star MVP after him. I guess oh, yeah, won, that's good. 
he won the most. I guess he won four times. So that seems like, a, and it's coming up right now. So it seems very, very fitting. Or if you end up doing this midseason tournament, you could name it the Kobe Bryant midseason tournament. Like that's fine too. Like again, this is a guy that deserves to be remembered as as one of the greatest players to ever play. And and in terms of like his value and social media and and how much he was on TV, like he's one of the first guys like that. Like he was on TV more than Jordan. I don't care what any Kobe fan, you know, what Jordan fan says. Like Kobe was a guy that he was in your living room you know, three nights a week. And I think that is something to uh, not sneeze at, but I would agree. And I, and I want to wrap this up because we've gone a little bit long and, you know, originally we were like, let's do 24 minutes to honor him, but you and I aren't capable of that. So we'll do 24 plus eight plus eight divided by two. How about that? And then it'll be all about Kobe, but I will, I got one more funny Kobe story. If you, if you want to hear it, okay, it's, yeah, it's fine. a good, I've been waiting to tell this on the podcast for a long time, but it's never really come up. Uh, but do you remember Andrew Godluck? He played for College of Charleston. He was like a, a short like guy who was a big-time shooter back in the day. I, sounds vaguely familiar. I'm already worried about the story. But no, no. So he was on the Lakers G League team. They called him up. I think he ended up playing like about 40 games with the Lakers. And let me see what the year was because this is actually important. So, so Drew was playing with the Lakers as a rookie. This was 2011-2012. He played 40 games with the Lakers. So he gets there. I don't remember if they drafted him or not. I think they might have drafted him. Yeah, they drafted him 46th overall. So they draft him, and he shows up the first day, okay? Okay, Keep in mind, this dude, 2,500 points in college, whatever. Really good player. He's been in Europe now for a long time. He walks in, and he's wearing Jordans. And Kobe's one of the first people he sees. And Kobe says to him, you know, take those shoes off in my locker room. And he might have said something, like, a little bit different than that. But the gist of it was, like, take those shoes off in my locker room. And Drew responded, like, kind of funny, I thought. Drew responded, like, all right, well, how about you give me some Kobe's and, like, I'll wear those instead. And Kobe looked at him in the eye, straight face. I think this was right after they won the title, and said, nah, you can buy my shits in the store, but take those off. That was his first interaction with Kobe Bryant. Biggest star in the NBA probably at that point. One of the biggest. And he was killing him for wearing Jordans in his locker room. And, again, like – it just goes back to the competitiveness and it goes back to the alpha dog lifestyle and all that stuff. But that story, which I heard directly from Andrew Godluck, was one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard about Kobe Bryant was that instead of just being like, let me call Nike and get everybody Kobe's to wear. Like, you know, Jordan used to do that for like Tony Kukoc and Luke Longley. Instead, Kobe was like, no, you can go buy my shoes, bro. It is funny. Like to be a great all-time great player, like you either need to be like so phenomenally gifted like Shaq or something where it's just like, or, you know, Kobe's a great athlete, but like, there's a lot of Kobe's out there that just didn't have that attitude. Yeah, your Jerry, your Jerry Stackhouses, your Jr. Riders, your Vince Carter's, and even those Vince Carter, great player, but you know, not the caliber of player Kobe is. And I think, like, like I said, that's the one takeaway. From right, me. and I think, and I think when you scout NBA players or NFL players, or whatever, like work ethic, attitude, like that's a that's a skill you know and it or whatever it's a inborn trait that not everyone has and i mean the one thing that people don't bring up that often i remember bill simmons bringing this up but like lebron has basically credited watching kobe work and being like that's the difference between being a good player and and being an all-time great and and changing his work ethic because of seeing that and i think a lot of guys in the league especially older guys now like i would argue like your chris pauls your Dwayne wade it's like guys like that who watched him or like, this is what we're measuring ourselves against. Cause I don't think anyone ever thought like, I think Tim Duncan was better than him, but I don't think players around the league were like, all right, we need to be like Tim Duncan. You know, I think guys were like, Kobe is the measuring stick at the guard spot. And if we want to be that good, we got to work as hard as him. Cause he's the best player and he's working that hard. And I think, like I said, if you ask me for one takeaway, 
of Kobe's career. It's that we covered it all. We got it. We got Kobe's beginning and end, the middle, and Andrew Godluck stories. That was the key. I probably um, should have not used his name. No, I might no, cut no, his name because no. it is a very funny story. But it's no, also no, like, it's good. Um, I think it's important to remember. Like I said, in times like these, I think it's very important to remember who a person was rather than letting the tragedy change how you view them. It's like, this is part of who he was and this is why he was great. And like I said, that's the tragedy in all this for me is that he, you know, was finally, it seemed like really enjoying being a husband and father and he doesn't get to do that now. And that's, that sucks, man. It's the worst thing in the world. And I, it, it like guts me to say it because you know, you, it is weird. It's going to stay with us for a while, but um, we'll be back with another episode this week talking about basketball, but certainly it's not the last time. We're going to be talk- hearing about Kobe, at least in the media, but we felt like we had to say a little bit about it ourselves. So they- yeah, normally I do our norm, our, our regular sign off, but I, I can say like this one, it was it was fun to record, but it, it was not a pleasure this time, Zan. I, I hope that we do not have to do a podcast like this for an awful long time. And I, yeah. I you know, I just my prayers go out to everybody, all the victims and and everybody involved in the helicopter crash. And yeah, I think, like especially I said, the kids here. and their families. That's the saddest one, of course. Right. We will uh, we will be back on Thursday, and uh, we'll talk some midseason review. We have a special guest, and, and we'll talk some MVP and stuff like that. But for now, you know, enjoy the tributes and and remember Kobe for kind of what he did was for the NBA and and what he meant to you know if you're our age, what he meant to you as like a you know watching as a kid and, and kind of coming up in the league. But we'll be back on Thursday. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.